Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to this hour. Looking forward to just spending time with you. It's going to be nice. You know, the uh, Twin Cities Marathon took place over the weekend. And I don't know how many runners there were. It was like six, seven, ten thousand. 10,000. It was a lot. You know, and it is tremendous human achievement to run 26.2 miles. And you can do it. That's amazing. But it's funny, every time, you know, you, somebody says to me, so I ran the marathon, I always say, did you win? <laughs> because nobody asks anyone who runs a marathon if they won. Of course they didn't win. It's that barefoot person from Kenya. That's the person that always wins. Anyway, Ken Samples is with us this hour. Looking forward to that. He's written a new book called Christian Endgame, Careful Thinking About the End Times, and lots of speculation about how and when the world will end and we're going to just talk serious, sound, biblical teaching today versus some of the headlines and movies and crazy things you've heard. And Ken's going to tackle this uh, controversial subject and provide solid biblical teaching. And if you have questions about end times, let us know what they are. We'd be happy to tackle them. 877-933-2484. So let's take 60 seconds and bring on Ken. Praising our risen Lord together. Proclaiming his resurrection. Faith Radio. Start each day with Scripture when you sign up for the Faith Radio verse of the day. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and look under the tab that says Subscriptions. Then click on Verse of the Day and sign up. A daily email containing an encouraging Bible verse will then be sent to your email address every day. You can also receive an email link to sign up by texting the word VERSE to 555-888. Helping you focus on God's truth. Faith Radio. Welcome back to the show. That walk-up music chosen by my guest, Ken Samples, is a research scholar, a senior research scholar with reasons to believe. I like that organization. The premier science and faith outreach ministry. He's an adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola, and he's authored uh, many books, Seven Truths That Changed the World, A World of Difference, and Without a Doubt, to name a few. He's also written his new book called Christian Endgame, Careful Thinking About the end times as a regular guest on the show. Ken, welcome back. Hi, Bill. It's good to be with you. That's nice to be with you. 
You know, I'm looking at Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, that says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. How can anyone speculate when it comes to the date that there's going to be the return? That's uh, such an important topic, uh, Bill. I One of the things that I, I concentrate pretty carefully on in my book, Christian Endgame, is that Christians should not be in the speculation process. We, we know and we have confidence uh, that the Lord will return. The Bible teaches that explicitly. But here is a, a very clear passage that uh, no one knows the day or the hour, um, uh, not, not, even, not even the incarnate Son. It's, it is in the uh, will and timing of the Heavenly Father. And uh, Bill, unfortunately, many people have predicted dates. Those who have have all been wrong. Uh, and it creates apologetic problems. It's, it's not just that people have misunderstood Scripture or have had a faulty view of chronology or timing, but I can't tell you how many skeptics, um, unbelievers say, ah, um, Christians, again, predicting things from the Bible that are incorrect. So we shouldn't be in the speculation business. We should concentrate on what I call mere Christian eschatology. That is, there there are basic fundamental beliefs that all branches, all denominations of Christendom affirm. I think we should uh, focus on those and definitely stay away from speculative uh, predictions. So shouldn't other Christians stand up to some of these uh, people who are saying that they think they've got it all figured out when the date is, shouldn't we just say, look, at I reject your premise based on what the Bible teaches? Now go away. I, I think that's exactly right. I, I think that, you know, um, I think of William Miller in the 19th century who uh, predicted that Jesus would return in 1844. Uh, and there have been numerous predictions that have been made, you know, in the, in the 20th century. Um, and all of them, again, have, uh, have been wrong. I think of Harold Camping, for example, who made two different predictions. And um, I think it would be very, very appropriate for our churches, our, our theological community, to tell people that uh, that uh, is a, a flawed practice and it, it creates doubt in the mind of people. So, yeah, I... I don't think the Bible is a book that uh, gives us uh, predictive dates. I I think really, uh, Bill, that the purpose of uh, Scripture talking about the second coming is that we can live godly lives and uh, carry out the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ken, in your book, you talk about a couple different spheres of eschatology. You talk about the fate of the individual and the fate of the whole human race. Would you talk about that? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have uh, in theology, we do talk about individual eschatology. That is, we talk about uh, the things that will happen uh, when human beings die. And so the Christian scenario is that Christ has come. He has built his church. His kingdom is here, but it has not yet come in its fullness. So that expression already not yet is very popular in 
eschatological discussion. Eschatology just means it's the Greek word for last, so eschatology is the study of the last days. But a Christian will die, and uh, they will go to the intermediate state. That is, uh, we'll be separate from our body, we'll be in the presence of Christ, and we'll await the resurrection, which will be the then the eternal state. Uh, that's individual eschatology, but we could also talk about uh, more general eschatology, where we could talk about what's going to happen in the world. Um, will there be, what kind of millennium should we expect? Is it Will it be premillennial or amillennial or postmillennial? And we could then talk about uh, more general issues that would relate to the, the second coming of Christ. So those are some of the elements that play out in that context. Mm-hmm. And this is a fairly uh, controversial subject, isn't it, Ken? It's very controversial. Um, it is uh, it is one in which people, uh, Christians, are sometimes quite divided. Mm-hmm. It is also a field in which people sometimes get pretty dogmatic. Um, I, uh, I propose to people that there's nothing wrong with holding... Uh, strong convictions, firm convictions about one's eschatological views. But I think that we should always be charitable. And I think that when it comes to the more challenging elements, that maybe we should hold our our views a a little more tentatively. Uh, That is, especially with the controversial issues. I mean, there have been great Christian theologians and teachers who've held many different perspectives and views. And... um, in, in my view, uh, this is something that we should not divide over. It, mm-hmm. it is uh, something something we, we want to be very prudent in the way we think about it. Ken, are the Bible's prophetic writings on end times, is it easy to understand or is it more of a challenge? I'm really glad you asked that question, Bill, because um, um, I think that the, the area of theology— called eschatology, it it is somewhat of a challenging issue. I mean, we're talking about a a part of the Bible, it's called apocalyptic literature, and uh, this sometimes has uh, elements of symbolism. Um, There have been multiple ways of interpreting this uh, apocalyptic literature. So it is is indeed a challenging uh, area of theology. And then I, again, would say, you know, given that we have great Christian thinkers and denominations who hold differing perspectives, um, maybe a more charity, maybe holding a, a fair-minded or a more tentative perspective would be appropriate. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, I want to take a very short break. And when I come back, I want to throw this out to you. I know you've written this great book called Christian Endgame, Careful Thinking About End Times, and I know this is a controversial uh, subject, and I also want to let our listeners know that if you have a question for Ken, please uh, text it to me at 877-933-2484. Really, any question about end times that you've been struggling with, something that just uh, you, you want to get some more information on, where to study it in Scripture, let us know. Ken will tackle it for you. Uh, but I also, when I come back, Ken, I want you to kind of help dictate the direction of the teaching in this hour, because I think there's so much to learn, and I don't want to get us off track with asking questions that might, um, you know, derail us a little. Because I, I got questions, um, and if 
And if you don't mind, we'll uh, pick it up when we come back, and we'll uh, you can talk about you know specific end time speculations. And I just want you to do some teaching this hour. Very good, thank you. All right, we'll take a short break and be back with Ken Samples in just a minute. Welcome back to the show. Ken Samples is my guest. He's written a book called Christian Endgame. Careful thinking about end times. And I, I think, Ken, what I was trying to suggest prior to the break is I want to get the most out of you and your book in this hour. But maybe we can start by you giving an overview of the different schools of thought regarding end times. We talked about, you know, pre and post and amillennial. Maybe you could just give us a, an overview of that. Sure. Um, one of the areas, of course, in which uh, Christians disagree uh, has to do with what we call a, a millennium. And uh, probably many of your listeners are maybe more familiar with the, the premillennial perspective. Uh, that is, um, this relates to the timing of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the, the premillennial view uh, is that, um, uh, that, that there will be a, a millennium uh, and it'll be a thousand, approximately a thousand years long, um, and uh, it will it will begin at at the coming of Christ. Uh, there is the postmillennial view, which says that the millennium will actually um, uh, come. Uh, there there will be a millennium that will uh, have Christianity have dominance in the world. And that will usher in the second coming of Christ. And then probably the the maybe the most popular one in church history, but often maybe the most misunderstood is the amillennial view. And that is a more symbolic view. It says that uh, there is no literal reign of Christ upon the earth. Rather, the millennium has to do with the age of the church. It is the uh, the period of time between Christ's first and second coming. And so Christians have, again, taken uh, differing views on this. Uh, they have differing ideas. Um, you know, what I, what I do in my book is I do not, uh, I do not say uh, what I think is the, the uh, definitive position. Uh, my book is really to try to help Christians think about these challenging ideas. So what I do is I explain premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. I mention what I think are strong arguments for each. I also mention what I think are the challenges. Um, Bill, what I'm trying to do here is uh, teach people how to think rather than just tell them what to think. Uh, and I, I think that that's a, a very important uh, principle because, um, again, I think we should avoid dogmatism. I think we need to realize that this is a, a tough area of theology. Um, we certainly want to avoid speculating. And so I'm trying to provide a, a introduction, a readable introduction to Christians who have questions about the end of the world, about the second coming of Christ. And I also try in the book to uh, talk about what all what are the areas in which we all agree. I'm kind of borrowing from C.S. Lewis, and I have a, a chapter called Mere Christian Eschatology. 
Uh, and those are just five of the fundamental ideas that all Christians affirm, whether you're pre-mill, on-mill, mm-hmm. or post-mill. And I would actually love to talk about that. One would be the second coming of Christ. We're all in agreement that he is coming. Um, and then the resurrection of the dead, uh, the final judgment of humankind, and the eternal state, and the new creation. So maybe you would touch on that a little bit. When you talk about um, the resurrection of the dead, um, what, how should we view that? Yeah. So the second coming of Christ, this is when Christ uh, will not come as the lowly carpenter of Nazareth, right. uh, but he will come as uh, the Lord of glory. Uh, some Christians would view this as the final consummation. Uh, others would have differing, again, timing of, of the millennium, a, a thousand-year reign, etc. But um, I think as we think about these five, the second coming of, of Christ, uh, one scholar said there are more references to the second coming in the New Testament than there are references to Jesus's death on the cross. Now, wow. that tells you that the New Testament is a book that cares about eschatology. But of course, when Christ comes, he will then resurrect. Because remember what we said, when we die, we go to the intermediate state awaiting the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So um, God will resurrect all people, those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are not, and uh, they will be given resurrection bodies. Okay. That's, I, I'm just, just just taking all this in, Ken, just so you know. Um, a, a listener just jumped in with a question. Um, isn't the 70 weeks in Daniel one of those prophecies which Christians should probably avoid being dogmatic about? Well, I, uh, I, I agree with that. Um, I, again, uh, books like Ezekiel and Daniel and the book of Revelation these are apocalyptic literature. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't study them. I'm not suggesting that we can't come to uh, a, a fair-minded conviction about them. They do involve elements of symbolism, and they are some of the most disputed uh, writings in all of the Bible. Now, I will tell you my—I uh, think it's a good thing. Some people might think it's a bias— Bill, my tendency is to always ask, where can we agree? I like to emphasize how can Christians have common ground? Uh, How can we emphasize the essentials, the unity? Um, And I think it's always important to to do that, uh, especially when you plan to to move to the areas of disagreement. But yeah, apocalyptic literature is is challenging, Uh, lots of diverse perspectives, and that's why I think uh, dogmatism is ill-advised and uh, a fair-minded uh, extending charity to people who hold differing views. Uh, because, you know, the timing of the second coming is not an essential Christian teaching. That Jesus will return is an essential teaching. Uh, it's even in the classical creeds of Christendom. Uh, he shall come. Uh, uh, you know, it talks about his second coming in glory. So, yeah, I think we, we want to, to be careful about areas of the Bible. Uh, most, a, lot of, a lot of what the Bible has to say is very clear. 
uh, that we're sinful people, that we need a Savior, that God sent his Son to die on the cross to take away our sin. There is much in Scripture that is clear, but the Bible is a book. It is a, a literary text. It has to be interpreted. We want to engage in, in careful and thoughtful interpretation, uh, and apocalyptic literature can, can take people in many different directions. Mm-hmm. Ken, in your in this second chapter, I think it's the second chapter, you're talking about the new creation. And I just want to read for listeners something that's in here, which I find so powerful. Believers will live in the new creation, apparently on the new earth, clothed in their resurrected bodies and enjoying God's personal loving presence. Perhaps one can say that since God will come to dwell with his people, heaven will come to earth though there will also be a new heaven demonstrating his transcendence, God's redeemed people will love, worship, and serve him in a righteous and just kingdom that will never end. Uh, That's thumbs up all around the studio. Um, But when you talk about a new earth, would you explain what the new heaven part is? If he's bringing heaven to earth, what's the new heaven? Now, again, this is uh, an area in which Christians have differing ideas. For example, Uh, There are Christians who believe that God will destroy this universe. Uh, uh, In one of the epistles of Peter, it seems to give indication that God will burn it up, and then he'll create a brand spanking new world. Um, On the other hand, there are are, uh, people, theologians, scholars, who argue that God will take this earth and he will renew it. Uh, He'll change it. Uh, I work with some scientists, and we talk about the laws of physics. Well, what will the laws of physics be like where we have immortal bodies? What will the laws of physics be like? Uh, I mean, we even get into some interesting discussions. Uh, What happens if, uh, you know, a a person dies and the body is thrown into the ocean and a shark eats the body? Well, where does that body, uh, how will Christ bring that body back Those are interesting questions that only physicists, I think, would have you ask. But there are differing ideas about how this scenario will be played out. Will the the new creation be brand spanking new, or will it be part of what exists now and be renewed? And what would be the relationship of this new earth and uh, to the realm of of heaven? Would would God populate? in a, in a new earth, in a possible renewed earth? And then what would the relationship of that be to uh, Christ existing in heaven? And, and again, these are not easy questions uh, to fully understand. And I might say that the New Testament doesn't always give us all the details. Um, I would propose, Bill, that when we're talking about apocalyptic literature and we're talking about apocalyptic events— these are very difficult to uh, to define and explain or understand within the everyday context in which we live now. It it's going to be undoubtedly days of of wonder, uh, shock and awe, if you will, yeah. when when these things happen. Well, I I believe that completely. Ken Samples is my guest. We're talking about his book, Christian Endgame: Careful Thinking About the End Times. We'll take your questions, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.
So glad to have Ken Samples on the show today, senior research scholar with reasons to believe in the book we're chatting about that he's written is called Christian Endgame, Careful Thinking About the End Times. I think a lot of people want to think about the end times. I think they have feelings of how should we, how should we be thinking about this. We want to be thinking only biblically, and yet there is some um, differing opinions on it. Um, Ken, what, what is the relationship between Israel and the church in end times? Yeah, this is a really important one. You know, we've, we've been talking about some of the challenging issues. So one of the things we talked about was apocalyptic literature. That's not an easy area to make our way through. We also talked about some of the challenging ideas of the millennium. But there's a third element that you have now raised, and it's an important one. You know, when we look at the the Bible, it's divided into two parts. There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. Uh, and the question that often is involved in eschatological discussion is, how does the nation of Israel relate to the Christian church? I That is a, a big topic in the New Testament, because often it's the Apostle Paul who says, look, here's how to understand the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, in light of the Old Testament covenant, in light of all of the commandments of God and the great events of the Old Testament. So part of the debate that happens in uh, eschatology relates to how, when God wraps all this up, when he brings things together in a consummation, uh, will there be a place for Israel? Um, and what, how will that uh, relate then to the, the church itself? Uh, I mean, there are some who hold a premillennial perspective who would say that there will be there'll be things in the millennium that will be the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So this is a, this is a difficult question. And again, Bill, I would say understanding exactly how to interpret the old in light of the new or how to understand uh, issues relating to Israel with regard to the New Testament, the church, that's an area that divides a lot of Christians. You have uh, people who hold more dispensational perspectives. You have people who hold more covenantal perspectives. So those are three areas that I think lead to a lot of the division. Uh, the question of apocalyptic literature, the question of the millennium, and then the question of relating uh, the church to Israel. And Ken, don't all positions have some uh, biblical backing and scripture that they're referencing that gives them their their position? I think that's right, and that's exactly what I try to identify in my book. I say uh, there's no slam dunk. Uh, I'm not interested in telling people what they should believe about this. Uh, my book is to try to help them to think it through. I think there are arguments in favor of premillennialism. I think there are challenges with that view, but I think it's also true that the post-millennial view and the amillennial view, they have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and I think it's it's uh, only possible to make a, uh, a solid, thoughtful decision when you know the other views and you can gravitate toward a reasonable view. But what often happens is we're taught in our church one view maybe the pastor's view or maybe the denomination's view, and other views are ignored. And we may not realize that some of the great theologians of the church who have changed Christendom may hold very different views than, than uh, we have been uh, told or educated about. 
That's interesting because I think there are some seminaries that if you attend, you have to sign a statement saying that I am holding this position prior to even being accepted. It's true. It, it, is, it is very true. And I, I think that if a seminary decides to do that, and, and there are many that uh, do do that, I'm not saying that I think that that is necessarily wrong. I would say, however, that I think if you do that, uh, you need to expose students to other views uh, and uh, then, you know, evaluate them fairly and carefully. Uh, because again, I would argue that eschatology is a secondary issue. Uh, that Christ will come is an essential issue, but the timing of when, the millennium, and all of these things, uh, Christians can and do differ. What about uh, God's wrath at, at the rapture, when the rapture takes place, and then the tribulation? Wh- what about the wrath that's going to get poured out on the world? Do believers, do Christians think they're going to be part of that? Well, this is, uh, I think, probably one of the issues in biblical eschatology or end times that's, that gets a lot of attention. Uh, there are Christians who believe, for example, that uh, uh, there will be a great tribulation, uh, and uh, some believe that Christians will be raptured or taken out of the world, taken to meet Christ before this time of trouble, this time of tribulation. Others believe that the church will pass through this time, uh, that the Lord will uh, allow his church to endure. So, um, you know, and, and this, of course, is the idea that the end times will involve a lot of trial, a lot of difficulty. Uh, there will not only be potentially the rise of uh, the enemy of God, the Antichrist, but this will, uh, before the coming of the Lord, there will be lots of trouble for both the church and for most people in the world. Now, of course, there are others who hold a post-millennial view who actually believe that uh, there will be a, a great peace. Christianity will be very successful. Uh, the, the Great Commission will, will be fulfilled, and that will usher in the second coming of Christ. So, uh, again, Christian and Christian theological systems have very differing ideas about things like uh, rapture, uh, about the wrath of God, and about how uh, how the church will or will not be successful uh, in the future. All right, Ken, let's talk about some really exciting things, like in, I think it's Revelation 21, verse 2, talks about the new Jerusalem will descend out of heaven to settle on the new earth. Um, so what is life to come for the believers in Christ? What is that going to involve? Yeah, I I I think that that's uh, I think it's a a very important uh, area to talk about. Uh, I like to talk about um, what I call the believer's blessed hope. The New Testament describes the second coming uh, as a a blessed hope. Uh, obviously, you know things like this uh, tell us that we're the Lord is going to return. We will be in his presence. We'll have a resurrected body. Uh, we will be with the Lord. We will worship him. We will serve him. Uh, you know, this this gives us, I think, lots of benefits, a, a very hopeful existence. It also tells us, uh, you know, if the Lord doesn't return, Bill, um, uh, a lot of us living now may and will die. 
but it is teaching like this that we'll be in the presence of the Lord, that we will live with him, we'll reign with him. It gives us comfort in death. Um, you know, a number of years ago, I had a life-threatening illness. I had a bacterial infection in my right lung, and I had six abscess brain lesions. Um, my doctors told me later that uh, people in that condition, mortality is usually above 80%. So I'm kind of a walking miracle, and I'm happy uh, that I am. But I remember thinking to myself, you know, my prognosis does not look good. Uh, how do I face my death? How do I give consideration that I may leave my wife and my young kids when I'm only in midlife? Well, uh, these teachings that we will be with the Lord and uh, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more pain. Uh, this gives us hope. It, it offers us peace. And I think a, a very powerful thing in this context, Bill, is a motivation to live a holy life. I mean, rather than debating about the when uh, and all the details that we may never be able to totally figure out, how about the idea that uh, what should motivate us is to, to live a life of, of preparation, uh, to be right with the Lord, uh, to, to live in a motivated way. Hey, um, I don't know when the Lord's going to come, but my life is a finite. It is temporal. I should be about the things that really matter. Uh, so I think, the, I think these are the kind of practical elements that are so important about eschatology, but so often we just have constant debates or people making predictions rather than talking about, you know, kind of the, the takeaways, the, the practical elements of biblical eschatology. All right, Ken, I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking um, when you talk about living an obedient life, which I love, and I love a John Stott quote I've said on the show several times, a person doesn't just drift into a, into holiness. Mm. You have to be intentional. So if you are going to live an obedient life, what is your, your coaching as to how we best do that? How do we have a high view of obedience? Yeah, well, you know, I think of a number of passages, um, uh, particularly in the book of Titus chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 2, you know, that, that we're saved by grace, uh, through faith, not by works, uh, but yet Scripture tells us that uh, while we're justified by faith, it's, it is not a faith that's alone. It is accompanied by our love for God, uh, our desire to, to seek His commandments. I mean, all of us are forgiven sinners. Sanctification, uh, I think, is, is, is challenging and uh, Christian struggle in, in how to develop in holiness, how to de develop in, in devotion. And yet Scripture tells us that uh, while we're saved by grace through faith, it's not a faith that's alone. It's accompanied by good works. Uh, good works are not bad things. They're good things. And I think that uh, we can do some very practical things. Um, I think the Bible is absolutely critical, that is, reading it, reflecting upon it, having a devotional life that includes the reading of God's Word. I, I think an absolute essential is a life of prayer. Uh, other elements are, are 
our fellowship in in the with the saints in the community in the in the church itself. Uh, I think all of these kinds of things are very, very critical. And I think relying upon the, the Holy Spirit, calling on the Holy Spirit uh, to strengthen us, to, to help us. Um, and I think that this big picture eschatology should tell us that, hey, I don't know when the Lord is going to come. Maybe it's next week or maybe it won't happen in my lifetime. But I will stand in the presence of God, and though I will be, I have been forgiven, and I will be em- embraced uh, by Christ in the kingdom of God. There will be a judgment of works. That is, God will reward His saints. Uh, I, you know, I desire when I see the Lord for Him to say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." I hope that He will look at my life. Uh, as a, a life of devotion, a life of dedication. But I think it has to involve God's Word. It has to involve a life of prayer, uh, a life in the Christian community of the church. Um, and uh, all of these things can, can help enhance uh, that life of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Ken, this hour is going way too fast. Let me take a little break. We'll come back with Ken Samples. Now, if you have a question about end times, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Samples is my guest. I'm glad he's on the show. We get him about once a month, and boy, am I glad that happens. He's written a book called Christian Endgame, Careful Thinking About the End Times. Question uh, popped up, uh, Ken, about... Um, no, I just lost it. Let's see if I can find it back here. Okay. Uh, gone. There it is. Nope, gone. <laughs> All right. Um, here it is. What's the difference between the immediate state and purgatory, which the Catholic Church espouses. I know you deal with this very briefly in your book, uh, that there's no direct or clear biblical support for such a state as purgatory. Yeah, that's an important question. Obviously, the the intermediate state would, again, be the idea that uh, we now live in the present state, and then there will be the final state of resurrection and all of these great events. So the intermediate state would be after death, but before the resurrection. So intermediate or in the middle, all of us are going to die. The basic Christian position is that we will be temporarily separated from our body, be in the presence of Christ. Uh, There are uh, groups that believe in things like conditional immortality, where people after death experience uh, uh, non-existence or soul sleep. That's That's a minority view. Um, most Christians have not held that view. But there is, the, of course, the position of purgatory. So in the Catholic system, Catholicism is the largest branch of Christendom. Uh, Catholics believe that uh, t- to be saved, you uh, have to be in a state of sanctifying grace. So if you were to commit a mortal sin, you'd need to go to confession. Uh, you would want to go to the Eucharist and be restored to this, this state of, of saving grace. But there are people who die, uh, and uh, they still 
are in need of of moral and spiritual transformation, and they believe that they would go to a state of purging and change and transformation. Uh, Protestants have been pretty pretty strongly critical of that idea, um, insisting that there isn't clear biblical support for that idea. So that would be an area in which Christians and Protestants uh, would would differ on. All right. If you know, we often hear about the signs of end times. Boy, there's more and more signs, and we feel like we're getting closer and closer. Yet nobody can know the, the time of Christ's second coming. Is that just talk? Or is, well, there, uh, is there evidence in Scripture that end times are getting closer and closer because of fulfillment from prophecies? This is a. I think that this is a challenging issue, Bill. I I uh, I tried to. Uh, bring the tension together. I mean, on one side, uh, even Jesus himself talks about the times and seasons uh, of of the future. Uh, and undoubtedly, Christians want to know, well, where do I fit within uh, the time, the cut, those times and seasons? On the on the other hand, um, not only do we want to know, well, where do we fit in that? People are often very tempted to speculate and uh, give predictions. And again, uh, every per- every person who has predicted a date uh, has been wrong. And in light of Jesus' statement that no one knows the day or the hour, um, we should avoid that, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so there is a bit of a tension. Uh, the Bible talks about the, uh, the seasons. It talks about uh, a, a general context of how history will be moving. Uh, but again, knowing how to cash all that out and how to interpret it, uh, I'll give you a particular example. Uh, my parents were um, part of what we call the World War II generation. My father was a combat soldier in the American Army. Um, my parents, uh, you know, they would read passages in Scripture about wars and rumors of wars and Antichrist and people like Hitler and Mussolini. And uh, I have sometimes said that I think my parents probably would have a better uh, reason to think they were living in the very last events of time than maybe other people. But uh, it was not the end. And so I think that there is uh, certainly an idea that uh, there are things moving in the future, but knowing how to sort all that out isn't easy. And thus again, I felt it was it was uh, much better for me to say, "Look, I'm not going to tell you how to think. Um, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell you instead of what to think. I'm going to try to help you think through these kinds of issues." And, uh, you know, don't say that I agree or disagree or I've suspended judgment until you can say two very important words, I understand. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, we, you know, as believers, we know salvation is secure through Christ. But in the future state, Christians will be needing to give an account of their life. So, yeah. you know, how does that make you feel about the future judgment? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Um, you know, sometimes when I read Scripture and we we read passages that seem to solidly indicate that there will be a time in the future where the Lord will look at our life 
where our life will be weighed and measured in a, in a moral and spiritual context. There will be rewards. There, it also appears that maybe uh, some of what we have done could uh, burn up uh, because maybe it was done uh, illegitimately with improper motives. Uh, well, there are times I think anybody who would read those things would be thinking, wow, I'm going to be biting my fingernails, kind of like, you know, um, that I pass the test, mm -hmm. uh, what's going to happen to me. I think what helps me, Bill, when I read about uh, the judgment seat of Christ, uh, that's how it's often uh, described, is that this will be something that is done by my Father in heaven. And I will be there with my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll have my advocate there, the Holy Spirit. Um, and, you know, I know that God loves me, and I know that God cares for me, and I know that I'm adopted into the family of God. And, um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm confident that even if my life is imperfect, and of, and of course it is imperfect, and my sanctification is imperfect, but it's being done not by a hostile figure. It is My life is being evaluated appropriately and justly and fairly by my loving Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. Ken, I'd like to ask this question, which I think I know the answer to, but I want to ask you anyway. You know, Christians often encourage each other to live well, um, but we don't always say, you know, you should die well. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, does does God, God? Do you believe God imparts dying grace? And what would be a what would be a a good death? What a happy yeah. to, happy topic on a Monday. Well, uh, yeah, but I I I think you know I I think that that's a I think that's a great question. I have a, a small chapter uh, in my book where I talk about that. Uh, I think you know, uh, undying well means. A person uh, dying in in confidence with the Lord Jesus Christ, I think um, uh, a good death is is also when we can say that we have uh, we have kept the faith, uh, we have engaged our priorities, uh, we have reflected about the most important things in our life. Uh, you know, again, just touching briefly on my own experience of coming close to death, um, I wasn't asking myself, uh, how come I didn't write, you know, three or four more books, or how come I didn't have a, a log cabin in the woods and a house at the beach? I was immediately thinking to myself, what kind of husband have I been? What kind of father have I been? Um what kind of servant of the Lord Jesus Christ have I been? So I know when I was at that point where I thought I was potentially close to death, those are the things I was thinking about. And I like to think that uh, if somebody asked me, well, you know, what would you do if you knew the Lord was going to come tomorrow? I'd like to be able to say, well, I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. I am, I am following my, my deepest obligations in life. Um, I have a life of prayer, a, a life of study, a, a life of evangelism, uh, a life of service. Uh, and if the Lord were to come tonight or tomorrow, I like to think that I'm doing the things I should be. I like it. So just as we wrap up our time, I want to ask you if we have differing eschatological views with our, our believer friends, 
How should we act? How should we treat each other? I know that's another question I think I know the answer to, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah. Well, I, again, I think some of the things we've touched on uh, are very appropriate. I mean, I, I think we need to understand that apocalyptic literature isn't easy to understand. Uh, I think we need to understand that uh, thoughtful Christian scholars have taken different positions. Uh, we want to avoid things like speculating. Um, we want to avoid making predictions. And I think that we also want, Bill, uh, to treat each other respectfully. I mean, I think about three things, truth, unity, and charity. Mm -hmm. I want to follow the truth but I also want to be unified in supporting uh, my my fellow Christians, and I want to do everything by by charity. Uh, one scholar talked about in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. Um, you know, it's 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 not just important to try to be right. It's also important to be gracious, to be kind. Uh, and a lot of times we can persuade people, um, you know, with the kind of individual we are, yeah. the kind of uh, integrity we have. Ken, thank you so much for doing the show. Ken Samples has been my guest. Christian Endgame, careful thinking about the end times. You've done some very careful thinking. That wraps up our show for the day. Thank you so much. If you missed any of it, head over to MyFaithRadio.com. You can check out the podcast. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.